today is finally an English session. So tonight I thought I'd go over what what do we mean by the word meditation and a little bit about how we practice meditation. For those of you who don't speak English, you can just sit in meditation or try to try to understand what's being said. <coughs> it's a chance for us to hear. Hear the Dhamma in, a new, in another language. So the word meditation, as I've said before, it can mean many different things to many different people. For most of us, we get a sense of meditation as a kind of altered state of mind, <coughs> a heightened state of awareness, or a, um, an alternate experience. But really, the word meditation, it, it just means to consider, or to mull over, or to keep in mind, or so on, to, to dwell upon. to solve problems and so on. It means when we dwell on something or when we consider something. So it can be a it can be referring to any object that we take into consideration. It could be a problem that we have that we meditate on. It could be a object of worship, an object of uh, power, it could be many different things. With the understanding that this is somehow going to bring about a resolution or a um, a result of some sort. Now, for many people, meditation just simply means this state of um, consideration or, or awareness of an object, or even without an object, simply a state where the mind is in an altered reality. So we understand that meditation is this practice that makes your mind very calm, and peaceful. This is just sort of a, an idea that we've had about, we've developed about meditation. And for most people it would be quite surprising for them, or it is quite surprising for them to learn that in meditation your mind need not be calm and peaceful all the time. Because of course the meditation just means to consider, or to ponder, or to uh, take into one's awareness. <coughs> uh, 
Now this is, this is very critical in the practice of vipassana meditation because vipassana meditation, the meditation to see clearly, we have to see clearly many bad things. Especially in, in Buddhism, the Buddha said, we have to understand suffering. We have to some to fully and, and totally, completely understand suffering. And we can't do that when we're in this peaceful, calm state. Mostly because this peaceful, calm state has nothing to do with our ordinary state of, of, of uh, awareness or existence. So in Buddhism, we separate meditation out into two general categories. And there are different ways of understanding these two general categories. One way is just simply to say one way, one type of meditation is for the purpose and ultimate goal of, of uh, calm or, or focus. Focused, controlled, contrived states of awareness. Sort of like we call transcendental meditation. And the other is for the purpose of seeing clearly. Now when we when we split them up in this way, then we're it doesn't mean that insight meditation is going to not lead to peace and calm or that in the practice of calm you won't come to understand things. What it means is that uh, this is the purpose of the meditation. Another way of looking at these two types of meditation is the object that they take because there are certain objects that when taken under consideration can't lead to real and true wisdom real and true understanding so many people would say all meditation is the same it all leads in the same direction or it all, it's either you're either meditating or you're not there's no different types but as I said, meditation, it, it takes an object, and the different objects do um, flavor the meditation in a different way. Why are there certain objects that don't lead to wisdom, don't lead to insight? Is because there are certain objects in meditation, many objects, and there's an infinite number of objects in meditation that you can take that are not real. There's something that you create in your mind. And because you create them in your mind, they can't give you any understanding of reality. Just as our dreams or our fantasies, um, no matter how much we dream and fantasy, fantasize, it's not reality. And it can't help us in any way in our life. So when we focus on um, a light, many people focus on a ball of light in their minds or a color, focus on an object or uh, a deity or so on. These are all things that we create in our minds, even God. Because even if there were a God, we wouldn't have any clue what the God would be like, so we just create this idea in our minds. And this leads to great peace and great happiness, and it leads many people to, um, to take religion very seriously because they interpret their experience to be a religious experience, either an experience of God or an experience of, of uh, oneness with everything or so on, experience of enlightenment. And yet these experiences are temporary. 
there's something that comes and goes and because there's no reflection on the the reality of the situation we're reflecting on a on a concept that we've created in our minds then there's no n not necessarily any any gaining of insight now it's certainly possible to look at say the states of calm and come to see that they're impermanent and you, you come to realize that uh, you, you come to realize something about these states and then insight can be gained therefrom but it's important to understand that there are indeed meditations that won't lead you to come to understand reality because they are not real so transcendental meditation might be very nice but it doesn't tell you much about how to deal with the everyday situations that we're faced with. And this is, yeah, this is how, how many people approach problems, of course. When we have a problem with a person, a place, or a thing, we, we try to escape that person, that place, or that thing right away. And so this kind of meditation is actually quite appealing to people. Because they think the way to overcome something is to escape it, just to run away from it, just to push it away. And there's no one out there telling us that we should actually, you know, face and come to understand and learn something about the unpleasant situation or unpleasant experience, the problem. And this is where insight meditation comes in. This is where we really understand the word meditation. When you have a problem, you should meditate on it. This is something that they would say in, in, in worldly um, circles. This is where I, I, under, I believe the word meditation first came into use. It's not a Buddhist word. It's a word that we use to convey the meaning of kamatana, which, which really doesn't mean meditation, or bhavana, which also doesn't mean meditation. Kamatana means... Um, sort of like a um, fixed or a firmly established or a um, specific task that we do. It means uh, localizing your activities. Stop, stop doing so many different things and then our actions are, are fixed and focused upon a, a certain um, object. So it has more to do with our um, the, the our acts and our behavior than it has to do with any consideration. There are words that mean consideration, but uh, they're not used in this sense. So the word meditation it it, it would mean to to mull over a problem, as I understand it. And this is really in, in, in very close to what is meant by insight meditation because we're going to be looking at the very problems and difficulties and issues that we would normally want to run away from. And so we have to look at all of the aspects of the problem and we have to come to see it clearly. And this is why this type of meditation doesn't generally um, guarantee calm states of mind. You see, it's after a whole different type of calm, which is this ability to ride the waves, ability to um, go with the flow, so that when these unpleasant situations come about, the mind is not displeased. It's like there's a, this, this analogy that it was 
I think Shantideva, uh, if I remember correctly, gave, he said, if the world is covered in glass, you have two choices. You can cover it over with leather, or you can wear sandals. And in a way, this is an apt comparison with these two types of meditation. So when, uh, when we have unpleasant situations, we can cover them over and change them and have a, you know, so that we only have a nice situation, or we can change our own minds so that the situations don't bother us. So instead of having to work hard to make it always be a pleasant situation, always be a happy situation, a happy feeling in the mind, we instead come to be content with whatever feeling, whatever experience comes to us. This is like wearing sandals. We're able to deal with every situation because our mind is, well, it really means we have wisdom. We have understanding. We understand that everything is simply arising and ceasing. And getting caught up in it is not going to lead you to happiness. Getting attached and excited about it is not going to lead you to peace. It's only going to lead you to more bother because it's not stable, it's not sure, and it's not under your control. So in Buddhism we really do focus on this second type of meditation. It doesn't mean that we won't feel calm, it doesn't mean that there's no tranquility involved in the practice, it just means that's not our goal. Even tranquility, instead of looking at, say, an object that would bring us tranquility, we're going to look at the tranquility itself, and it might come up, it should come up. It's part of the spectrum of, of experience. But when we feel tranquil, we're going to look at the tranquility. We're going to consider it. We're going to uh, think over on upon it. And we're going to be very specific about this, because we're not concerned about the very details of it. We're just concerned about what it is. What does it mean to say that there's pain? What does it mean to say that there's happiness? What does it mean to say that there's anger? What does it mean to say that there's greed? And so we're going to just look at these and understand them for what they are. When we feel happy, we just say to ourselves, happy, happy, happy. Just meditating on this happiness. When we feel pain, we're going to meditate on the pain, saying to ourselves, pain. And in our mind, we'll just know pain, and we'll just know happiness, and we'll just be aware of that one object. Well, there's no room. This is where we have this nice word called mindfulness. It's kind of interesting how these uh, words that were totally used for something completely different actually fit right well into Buddhist thought, even though they don't translate the words that they're supposed to translate directly. Meditation isn't a direct translation for any Pali word that we normally use. Would, that we'd ever translate that way, and mindfulness also is not. But mindfulness, this having this full mind, or being uh, fully aware, or keeping fully in mind, or having a full mind in this one sense, uh, of the object. So when we say to ourselves, pain, pain, our mind is full. This is why it's kind of an interesting word. Our mind is full, or we're fully uh, aware of this object and nothing else. So there's no room for the normal uh, 
diversification, making more of it than it actually is. This is bad pain, this is my pain, this is a problem. When situations arise, we are able to break them down into their components. We see something we don't like, it's just seeing. We hear something we don't like, it's just hearing. We smell something we don't like, and so on. We have no room for anything but the direct experience. This is what it means to be mindful. In this sense, the original word, of course, didn't mean that, but it's uh, this is something that the Buddha was very good at, and I think he'd, he'd very much appreciate um, using, giving words new meaning, because language is such a cultural thing, and it's built up around our uh, ways of looking at the world that there ends up being no good word for the quality that you're trying to describe, and you have to make do. And there are many words that are used to mean ultimates um, that we have to remake like how the Buddha changed the word dharma because it was such an important word, or karma because it was another important word. And so he had to explain to me what was the true dharma and what was the true karma. Brahmana, sammana, all these words he changed. So here we're giving this word a new meaning. Mindfulness means your mind is full, or you're fully encompassed by this one object. And because the object is impermanent, it's coming and going, it's changing, you're going to see that. And you're going to say that you're going to realize to yourself that it's not satisfying. That whatever you thought about this, that you were going to change it or make it good or make it perfect, was uh, was an illusion, was a delusion. And you're going to let go of any idea that it's you or yours. And we'll come to see that really every experience is just a part of nature, a part of the reality of, of the universe. And there's no I involved in seeing or hearing or smelling or tasting or feeling or thinking. All these things just come and go and come and go. And the mind will begin to let go and, and loosen up, ease up until it finally really lets go. And when the mind really lets go, this is what the Buddha called nirvana, nibbana. This is what we're aiming for in the practice. This easing up and loosening up. Just coming to see things for what they are. When they're seeing, it's only seeing. When there's hearing, it's only hearing. <coughs> Smelling, tasting, feeling, and thinking, it's only, only an experience. And when the mind loosens up all of these attachments and addictions, that's all they are misunderstanding of the reality of our experience. And when we uh, overcome this, we, the mind lets go. When the mind lets go, the mind is free. When the mind is free, then you can say to yourself, I'm free. Nothing left to be done here. No more no more running around chasing after things that are not going to bring us happiness or peace. This is the true freedom that we're looking for. This is what we really mean by meditation in a Buddhist sense. This uh, consideration until 
consideration of reality or uh, reflection on reality as it is until we can finally see it just simply for what it is. We're not creating anything. It's not an altered state of mind. In fact, it's the unaltered state of mind. The Lord Buddha said, Babasarangi thang pikave jitang. I said, monks, this this here mind is radiant. The mind is originally radiant. The unaltered state of mind is perfect. Just knowing that we're sitting, knowing that we're walking, and so on, or even the 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 non-arising of any of any experience, it's, it's perfect. It's just that when we experience, then there gives rise to defilements. There are these akanduka kilesa, these defilements that are guests, or they are visitors. They come in on occasion from time to time. This is what makes it, makes the mind defiled. Just like a polished gem, you can cover it up with dirt until it looks ugly. But when you take the, when you wash it, when you clean it, it gets back to its unaltered form. And the mind is, is very much the same, that actually the mind is perfect. There's no, um, there's no defilement in the mind. It's a, it's a visiting state. Defilement is something that comes into the mind. And this is just one way of talking. Actually, in ultimate reality, they say uh, the mind would be defiled. One mind state or one moment of defiled. But here we're talking in a general sense, our mind. The mind that you know, we call us or we call I. It's actually fine you know, when you know things, when you're walking around when you're talking, when you're doing whatever. It's just that from time to time we take things ser seriously, we take things more seriously than we should. We make more of some of things than they really are. In fact, through this, most of the time we do this because most of the time we're in this semi-deluded state. We're not really aware of reality. So this should be a sort of a good guideline for us of what we're aiming for. It's just to see why is it that we suffer, why is it that we give rise to defilement. It's no other reason than we don't see things as they are. So here we are, we practice meditation is to uh, consider these things and come to see them clearer than we saw them before. And it doesn't mean that the defilements won't arise, but it means that we'll come to understand them more and more until they become weaker and weaker and they don't have a hold over us. And eventually the defilements will not arise because we'll be able to see things perfectly crystal clear. So this is the teaching that I would like to offer tonight, kind of a sort of a warm-up to meditation practice. So thanks for coming. That's all for today.